Hey everybody, what's happening? This is your man L Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you've got the facts. Today, uh, we'll be having a word on the street segment. Uh, Trump has recently pulled the U.S. out of the Paris Agreement for uh, climate change. So we're going to talk about a little bit of the ramifications for that. And then uh, we have a uh, full slate of sports. Of course, we have to go over some Monday Night Football. And of course, I have uh, the new rankings uh, for college football the college football top 25 i believe we are going into week 11 this week actually uh yeah week 11 or week 12 excuse me uh we have a big matchup this weekend with lsu and alabama one versus two so we're gonna uh talk a little bit about the top 25 we do have a a short news some some a short news story to talk about in there as well and then finally we'll be wrapping everything up with some nba action from last night i believe we have some news to go over there as well but uh let's get into it like i said with the word on the street and like i said uh trump has recently pulled out of the paris agreement of course this is uh referring well this is dealing with uh climate change and in my opinion uh this move here is uh straight up isolationalism um uh, American exceptionalism at its finest. Uh, we don't feel as though, well, Mr. Trump feels as though uh, these uh, feels as though these uh, climate agreements and things of that nature, just like every other conservative uh, through our history, is pretty much, in my opinion, believes uh, this stuff is obviously a hoax. Uh, however, climate change has already been confirmed in interfering with weather weather patterns throughout every region of the country, and this uh, this has been confirmed by the top scientists in 13 federal agencies. So again, the conservative uh the conservatives are lying to you climate change has been existing and it definitely exists and it's a real thing uh and temperatures have been the highest in recorded history through the past five years that is a fact not anything the republicans have told you about that promotes fossil fuels or the use thereof uh no and uh climate change is not some myth they did not just come up with this to scare the big oil companies this has always been here at least they've been talking about this since the late 70s now thousands of americans uh thousands of americans are at risk of rising sea levels especially if you are living in the coastlines whether it be i would i would say the san francisco bay area uh new york city maybe even some of those areas right there in jersey that are near new york city as well uh, again anywhere by the anywhere by the oceans you know so uh, cities like uh, Miami, cities like San Francisco, uh, not necessarily Los Angeles, but San Diego, uh, stuff of that nature. Baja, California is at a major risk of increased sea levels. You also have increased storm surges that affect different pockets of the nation and tidal flooding can affect one trillion dollars of our infrastructure not one billion not one million or hundreds of millions of dollars no one trillion dollars of our infra infrastructure will be negatively negatively affected if we don't do something soon that's what i'm telling you those are the facts that has been confirmed by scientists and top in, the, in 13 of our federal agencies so not 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 just some random um i guess you would call them a quack doctor or a quack scientist who's just trying to scare people no this is real life this is not this is not just some uh jargon this is not a political statement this is facts since 2014 the u.s has had up to 400 billion dollars in weather and climate disaster costs let me read that again. The, since 2014, the U.S. has had up to 400 billion in weather, 400 billion dollars in weather and 
climate disaster cost. So they've been having to shell out all this money to deal with this problem, yet they're not trying to solve the problem or deal with the problem. Now, the recent hurricanes down south and on the eastern shore and on the eastern shoreboard, shoreboard as well as the uh, eastern seaboard. That's what I want to say. The eastern seaboard, as well as the wildfires in California, have been fueled by changing climate conditions because people are not understanding me. This, this is originally it was just called global warming. Okay, it was just uh, talk, and it was just referring to the rising temperatures which were existing at the time. However, it became it it actually spread out and became and encompassed what we call climate change because not only is it getting hotter in certain places, it may be getting colder or wetter or drier in a certain place as well. Weather patterns are changing. That was the whole point. That's what the scientists figured out. Oh, it wasn't just getting hot. It is getting colder or it's getting wetter. In, in more cases than not, though, it is getting hotter. Oh, and, in, and in a lot of cases, it is getting drier. That is the biggest concern, especially if you're living in California, because again, that leads to drought. Uh, that leads to uh, lower water supply. Uh, we have cities in Arizona right now, such as Tucson, where the Colorado River, uh, that is one of their major sources of drinkable water, is drying up because of severe drought. These are these are facts. This is again, this is not uh, propaganda. This is not anti-Republican. This is not anti-conservative propaganda. These are facts. That is what we're dealing with right now. Rising sea levels can also affect military bases and our ability to defend ourselves in an armed conflict. Why? Because whatever military bases are there near the coastline, they probably could get flooded in about 10 or 20 years. So that takes away your effectiveness in being ready for a potential armed attack. If, it's, if it happens, who knows? Also, since we're putting so many resources into uh, going at, well, to solving whatever problems arise from climate change, we won't be having the same amount of resources to defend ourselves in case of an armed attack. These are the things that people don't think about. This is why I'm here. I'm here. To, let's talk about it. Let's talk all about Let's let it all hang out. These are the facts. You cannot escape that. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you stand upon. Now, according to a, two, a 2018 report by the Global Commission on the Economy and Climate, $26 trillion could, could be generated from renewable energy. So why is this not uh, an immediate push? Don't these conservatives like money? These are the same people that are always talking about the bottom line. $26 trillion could be generated by just using renewable energy. Sounds like more money from coal. That's why coal has been not only, not only see, and this is the thing. We talk about the import, and the U.S. is so, uh, so vehement, vehemently trying to deny the, the, the impacts of climate change, trying to deny, you know, the changing weather patterns and all that. But on a business side of things, even they have to realize that coal, that they, they're even starting to realize, and they've been starting to realize this, that coal is not necessarily productive. That's why coal production has gone down such uh, so significantly, and many thousands of people, especially in the states of West Virginia and along that area, have lost jobs. So again, even if they don't want to, even if they don't look at things from a scientific view, 
they still look at things from a money view, which is which is really weird as to why you would why you would turn down twenty six trillion dollars of possible income. Now, the U.S., of course, this is especially in the past few years, is far behind other first world countries in, the, in developing uh, energy efficiency, although we employ about three point three point three million people uh, within that sector. Now, in China, 99 percent of buses are electric. And in the European Union, 25 percent of the budget will eventually be placed in the development in the development of a re renewable energy source. America still wants to use oil and they're putting their customers and their citizens at danger. I, I witnessed uh, I witnessed firsthand the devastating or what could be devastating potential effects of fossil fuel, uh, fossil fossil fuel development. I live near the uh, near the uh, the oil refinery that blew up. And when I say near that, I live at least two to three minutes away, but with a drive. I saw this. I saw the place blow up from the freeway on my way back from home. So you tell me what you want to be, uh, what you want to be susceptible, uh, what you want to be uh, susceptible to as an American populist. You know, it might take some some time. It might take some effort uh, for this this government to to make the transition into renewable energy sources but to be honest with you we'll be all the, the better for it again that 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 explosion could have been worse that fire that resulted from that could have been worse and it could have put not only the, the immediate town right in front of the refinery in danger but all the towns probably within a good five mile vicinity in some very serious danger and that's and that's the type of stuff that we are uh, that's what happens when you deal with the fossil fuels, you're burning off excess chemicals. You, things happen, whether it be Mother Nature or man-made, man-caused, and you have these big disasters. Again, the the hurricanes are at a higher, are, are are stronger than they've ever been because of these changing weather patterns. You look at the the the, the wind patterns and the changing uh, the dryness in California. That's uh, being a major factor into why we're having our natural disasters and you cannot it can no longer be denied these uh these are happening because negligent corporations a are still using non-renewable energy sources and putting people at risk because of just the danger that comes from that and also they are denying the the subtle changes like the climate changes again climate change and neglectful companies that leave power lines down and power towel power lines malfunctioning pg&e are are the are the root result or are the direct causes of these disasters this is corporations this is government letting the corporations do what they want to do and this is the american people not educated enough to do anything about it look y'all i'm here i'm going to help you guys i'm going to help myself we are going to sit here and we're going to talk about facts as much as we can we're not going to sit here and get into what our feelings are we're not going to get into this is liberal that's that's liberal social communist book no we're not going to do that we're not going to sit here all day and say this is conservative whatever fascist no we're going to sit here and talk about the 400 billion dollars it's already cost us and the 26 thousand 26 trillion dollars uh it's it can it can generate in our economy those are the things that are important sea levels sea levels rising are a real thing do not let these people continuously lie to you you need to not only be holding the corp not only be hold, holding the 
government together as an American populace, we need to be holding, and we say we, because we are all a part of this, we need to be holding the corporations responsible. The fires, not only, don't get me wrong, on the surface, yes, rising, uh, sorry, uh, temperature changes, drier weather patterns, winds, all that, yes, that definitely made the fires worse. Don't get me wrong. The fire started because of neglectful corporation heads that did not that that are not on top of their own standards that are not being federally overseen or even uh, or have any state oversight the state is not overseeing these companies we have an issue here there needs to be some federal or state oversight on all these corporations and we need to be making sure that we are protecting the community from these effects of of climate change we need to stop acting like it's a lie and it's not real this is obviously a real thing it's already been proved by science it's been proved by business that some of these forms of energy are not even effective so it's time to make the change and stop stop listening to the old dogma and stop trying to stop trying to live under a box and say this doesn't exist because we don't know no better it's time you it's time we know better so if it takes me to help us, I'm going to help myself and help all of us. And I'll be one of the people here and I'll be talking to people and getting together with people. And we're going to be talking about these things. This is what's important. This is the most important thing. We need to be dealing with this ASAP. And this is not a Greta Thornburg, how dare you type situation. That's all for show. Fuck all that. We need to be working. We need to be getting adequate housing and we can all do that with renewable energy and it doesn't it's not a it's not a mystery anymore as to as to the harmful effects of all this it's no longer a mystery we're gonna have to do better as 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 a voting populace we're gonna have to do better all right y'all i'm going to take to take a quick break and when i come back i'll be breaking down some nfl action of course uh we have a couple new stories to break down in the, in the nfl excuse me a couple quick hits and then eventually i'll be having that monday night some monday night football to talk about as well all right i'll be right back Alright y'all, I am back. Let's break down some NFL news real quick. And this is a story coming from LA and dealing with LA's second team, uh, the Chargers. Now, despite a recent win, the Chargers remain near the bottom of the AFC West at 4-5. Now there is serious uh, speculation about moving the team to London on a full-time basis. I think this would be crazy. I I don't know how effective it would be. Uh, but it is an idea. Uh, this has not only been talked about by uh, L.A. Chargers officials, but also NFL uh, big wigs as well. Now, L.A.'s second football team is also struggling to generate a fan base uh, within the area. The last home game was against Pittsburgh. It was pretty much uh, overrun with Steelers fans. So, again, they're not. Uh, it wasn't the same home experience that it was in San Diego. And it looks like the Chargers are... Uh, Again, like I said, it's it's crazy, but they're contemplating something new already. Uh, again, the, the at the moment though, the Chargers will still be sharing the multi-million dollar multi-billion dollar stadium with the Rams. I believe it will be next season, uh, at least for now. Uh, but it definitely looks as though that. Uh, the Chargers are not necessarily happy in L.A. Uh, they're not having a good time here. And they don't really have any fans. So I don't think the fans are having a good time either. So uh, look for that. Uh, if anything does develop with that anytime soon, we will, be, of course, be talking about it. But uh, the news as of, as of today is that it's definitely it's definitely being talked about amongst NFL circles. So the, the Chargers 
going out there to London. Think about it. Too crazy. I don't see how they would travel out there. Uh, again, I mean, there's been talk of them adding a couple more weeks to the NFL schedule. So you add a couple bye weeks. So, I mean, that might be interesting to do. Uh, but again, I just think it's really crazy. And of course, you have Philip Rivers there. This is going to be, uh, get, we're getting to the, the last years of his career. I don't see him uprooting and just going all the way to London to do that, to see that out. So, uh, It'll be an interesting time period. I don't. I don't think it. If it does happen, it probably happens after uh, Philip Rivers retires. Uh, but let's move on. Um, this story is coming from the Browns. Uh, the Brown. The Browns headquarters. Uh, now Cleveland is not only a factory of sadness; it's a factory of drama as well. Uh, safety Jermaine Whitehead has been released from the Browns yesterday for posting threatening comments online. The defender faced tons of criticism after the loss of the Broncos, uh, in which he was smacked by rookie tight end Noah Fant on a play and also missed a crucial ca- a crucial tackle uh, as well. Now Whitehead would also send tweets to. Former NFL player and current Browns radio host Dustin Fox, uh, he would go on to say stuff like this: "I'm out here with a broken hand. Don't get, don't get murked. I'ma kill you, bitch. That's on blood. That's basically some of the stuff he was saying. Uh, basically, really just being." really just ignorant now whitehead was drafted out of 2015 out of auburn and was picked up on waivers last season uh by the browns after being released for the package by doing you know some some boneheaded shit he basically slapped another player in the face max so uh you know i listening to some of his comments like of course the i'm gonna kill you bitch and all that shit i'm gonna kill you on blood or whatever he said I think that was a little bit uh, ridiculous, uh, but he also went in kind of a little bit. You got to you got to get a, a good uh, football player's perspective because he did mention his broken hand, and he also go into how that would affect him and, and really bothered him. And on top of that, uh, his teammate, another safety, Morgan Burnett, I believe that's yes, I believe it's Morgan Burnett. Uh, he was he was really uh, bummed about what happened because again, this is somebody according to Burnett. This is coming. I'm paraphrasing his quote, uh, but uh, he. Was was uh he was a a player who took a lot of snaps and was a good hard worker in terms of being trying to you know trying to better himself and trying to you know help himself better the team so in terms of football you know in the in between the x's you know in, in, in terms of x's and o's and in between the hash marks you know the players liked him uh, I think if you look at some of his other quotes, you kind of see some of his, you know, where he's coming from. Of course, you know, uh, he's he's hurt his hand. He's a wounded. He's a wounded soldier and he's doing the best he can. Um, and those per- perspectives I get now if he would have if he would have sat there uh, after the game and kind of sent just those kind of texts out there. You I think it would have been effective and you actually would have got a chance to see really uh, just the inner workings of an NFL player and. And you can you can kind of see where they're coming from, because I, I do think that people um, when we're, you know, even even, you know, from my perspective, as a, somebody who talks about this stuff or, a, you know, who wants to be an analyst or whatever, amateur analyst, whatever you want to call me, you know, even in my, you know, what I'm doing, you know, you have to. You know, you have to stop yourself because you have to give yourself. You, you should have to. You, have, you should have to humble yourself and give yourself some type of humanity because these are human beings as well. And I think you know uh, some of these, some of these Twitter guys, and whether it be you know they're being paid by whatever media source or they're just a random Twitter dude just putting out posts out there. Um, you have to take in for account, you know, just what type of 
life these athletes are going through. And um, I totally get it. You know, I totally see where Whitehead is coming from to an extent. And I think if he would have, you know, kept his comments referring just to kind of, you know, just a backlash and, and how that affects, you know, a player mentally and what he, what he, you know, has to go through, then I would get, I would get that. But to threaten people, that's a little bit too far. And uh, he, he ended up getting waived. He ended up, which is basically cut by the Browns because of that. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but you kind of just got to, you know, you got to watch what you say, you know, you can't just say any old thing anymore, you know, and don't get me wrong. If you would have broke down kind of the psyche behind, you know, NFL players and he did, a, I mean, in some of his comments, if you really listen to some of his comments, he really breaks it down. Like I had an injury. I'm doing the best I can for my teammates. I really want to, I really wanted to show up for them. I could have probably not played. I think something like that is, is, is the feeling that I'm getting. Uh, but you know, and I think if he would have kept it to that and kind of just said, look, this is what we're going through. You give a whole, you give the world a whole different layer to what athletes are going through. You know, you give people a whole nother, uh, a lesson of humanity when you talk like that. When you, when you come off the cup and say, oh, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to get you and all that other ignorant shit, you lose it and you end up getting in, ma- in major trouble. And since you've already had that, that type of trouble follow, you've already been cut before for doing, you know, boneheaded shit on the field. It just follows, you know, and every chance they get, they're going to, you know, they're going to ride you. You just can't say things like that. No matter how frustrating life is, you cannot threaten to kill people. You cannot do that type of shit. You, you just, you just kind of like, and, and he, he says it himself. Like, I get it. He's like, you, you know, people expect you to, to kind of take the high role. But, you know, how I grew up and how people like me grew up is that we're forced to fight back. I get it. That's why somebody needs to be in your ear. That's been here. That's, you know, been done. It needs to constantly be in your ear, you know, letting you know. This is how you should do it. This is how, you know, take a second to breathe. You need, I mean, a lot of these guys, it seems to me, need a real support system. Maybe a couple uh, veterans to stand behind them, something like that. And, you know, for what it's, you know, for what it's worth, you know, you have Burnett, uh, a vet there with the Browns, who's also played with Whitehead with the Packers as well, you know, trying to be there. And at some point in time, you know, it just takes some type of uh, maturity and some type of man enough to just say, look, I can't. I can't do it, you know, and and um, I can't say it like that. I can, I can say something different. You could probably you could have probably called him a bitch and got away with it. You probably could have probably called him names, a couple names, and said, "Look, man, I'm I'm just trying out here doing my thing." You could have never really had to you know deal with it again. But when you start to threaten people, people people take you know people take so many things seriously, you know. But mind you, they I mean fans with those those death threats at a player like it's nothing. So again, it's a it's a fine line to walk. You just unfortunately for the player, you know, they're gonna put you in a situation. Uh but let's move on. We have one more story uh before I get to a couple quick hits. Uh we have Deshaun Deshaun Jackson here, uh the wide receiver for the Eagles. He will miss four to six weeks with an abdominal injury. He basically tore tore the muscle off of the bone and he suffered the initial tear in week two so he's been playing with that ever since but it looks like he will need to undergo surgery he will also be seeing a specialist as well uh that surgery will be today actually and they will there are eight weeks left in the season so uh it's well you know where with where the eagles are at right now it would have definitely helped because over the past six weeks, he is the only receiver, uh, the only other receiver that that has caught a touchdown for the Eagles has been Al- Alshon Jeffrey over the past, like I said, over the past six weeks, and he does have two. Uh, but JJ Arcega, uh, JJ Arcega, Whiteside hasn't really shown up. Of course, you got Nelson Aguilar, who you know doesn't hasn't you know 
doesn't ever really show up, honestly, in my opinion. Uh, and then you also have Zach Ertz, the tight end. So you have, yeah, you know, you have some stuff going there. They do have an adequate running game, but again, they are losing a big, a big chunk of their, of their uh, quick strike offense or their, uh, you know, at least in terms of their passing game, the part of their passing game that truly stresses the field. So that's, that's, I think that might come back to haunt them a little bit deeper in the season. Uh, but before I get to uh, the Monday Night Football action, two little quick hits I wanted to talk about. Uh, it, it's, it's apparent now uh, that Cam Newton will be sitting out the rest of the season. He has been placed on IR. That Liz Frank, aka his foot injury, has not been figured out yet. So he will be taking off the rest of the season to to deal with that. Uh, so Carolina, get used to Kyle Allen at least for now. And finally, uh, your boy Nick Foles has been cleared of his injury and he will be available, available to play in week 11. I'm kind of on the fence about that. I've thrown to light Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I do. Maybe hopefully he gets traded or finds himself another starting opportunity pretty soon, uh, maybe next year. But he's been looking he's been looking pretty good to me. I like he's been a surprise. He's been a, a real good surprise to me. And he's been the only college, he's been the only quarterback that Mike Leach uh, has ever produced to ever do anything in the NFL. So I'll give you that. And Mike Leach, for those of you who may not know, that is the coach there who, a coach at Washington State, uh, he runs a typical air raid offense, which emphasizes throwing the ball down the field. So, you know, you figure a, a coach like that would have a whole bunch of quarterbacks in the league. No, this is the only one that's done anything, unfortunately. And this is the same guy who had, anyways, I'm going too far on a tangent. I like Gardner Minshew. That's all I really wanted to say. Let's get into the Monday Night Football. Of course, the Cowboys, uh, they were able, they were supposed to get a win in this one, and they did. 37-18 uh, to 18 was the final score here against the Giants, 37-18. Uh, the um, Cowboys move up to 5-3. and three. The Giants are now 2-7. and seven. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about, about the stats in this one. Excuse me. For the Cowboys on offense, of course, Dak did his thing going 22-35 for 257 yards. Three touchdowns he would throw a pick, though, as well. Uh, Zeke Elliott would have 139 rushing yards. Amari Cooper would bring in four catches for 80 yards and also a touchdown. Uh, tight end Blake Jarwin, Jarwin would have... Uh, a touchdown and so would uh, Mike Gallup the other wide receiver on defense uh, the Cowboys were led by linebacker Sean Lee who had a 12 tackle game so did linebacker Jalen Smith and defensive end Demarcus Lawrence would have four total tackles and a sack for the Giants Daniel Jones will go 26 of 41 for 210 yards he would also be uh, he would also have a touchdown and an interception it was also the Giants leading rusher with 54 rushing yards Saquon Barkley only got 28 rushing yards but would have six catches and 67 yards and wide receiver Cody Latimer will bring in a receiving touchdown on defense uh, the Giants were led by Antoine Bethy at the safety position who had nine total tackles and an interception and also linebacker Alec Ogletree he would have six total tackles uh on top of that and this game was a little bit close in the beginning uh you had uh the Giants take an early lead it was like a 9-3 lead and out of nowhere this black cat comes and shows up this will be a talking point for a while I'm pretty sure but the black cat shows up and everything goes bad and the Giants give up 20 I think it was 21 points in the fourth quarter it made it look like it wasn't even close unfortunately for the Giants it just was it's been, it's been that type of year um you know it's it's the growing pains right hopefully next year things go right for them but for now 
they are two and with two and seven and they trash so we're just gonna keep it like that all right y'all we're gonna take another quick break and when i come back i'll be breaking down some college football like i said i got one uh new story to break down there and then we'll be breaking down the top 25 and then i'll wrap everything up with some nba action as well all right y'all i'll be right back y'all i am back so let's break down some college football news real quick um the, well the only major story today has come out of florida state out there in tallahassee and it looks like second year coach willie taggart is done uh, they decided to make that call after his 27 to 10 loss at home to rival miami uh, the, uh, the seminoles are currently four four and five this year and could eventually miss a ball game for a second year in a row and they have gone zero and two uh in the past couple of years over the, the three key rivals uh Clemson, Miami, and Florida. Uh, one, one major thing in college football is you have to beat your rivals. That's one of the main things that people do uh, complain about when they, or one of the factors behind a coach getting fired. Because I've seen uh, cases in which a coach has had a, a pretty decent record, uh, maybe through the course of four or five years. Uh, he's won eight wins a year, eight or nine wins a year, uh, but he just did not do good against his uh, rivals. And then they cut him. Uh, in the sense of Taggart, he definitely struggled in all facets, but one of them definitely being uh, the rivals. He could not, he did, his teams looked terrible in these games versus Clemson. And even Miami and Florida, they've looked, the Florida State teams have looked terrible against those guys. Uh, but since getting to Tallahassee via Eugene, Oregon uh, in 2018, he has gone 9 and 12 overall and also 6 and 9 in just in conference play in the ACC. However, I personally didn't, didn't think he was that good coming out of Oregon anyways of course there was a lot of hype about him coming into Oregon uh, because he had turned around to you I believe it was either UCF Central Florida or Southern Florida I think it was Southern Florida he ended up turning them around uh, getting to be you know nationally relevant uh, recruiting pretty well so the thought was coming to Oregon uh, to my well my favorite team that he was going to turn things around I kind of was on the defense about him even when he you know, even when I heard about the, the, the pick, because again, um, I didn't hear too much about him. I don't watch uh, Southern Florida football. Uh, I didn't ever watch none of those schools that he originally had coached for. Uh, but again, he apparently was a was a name uh, a few years back. But again, he would take he would lead the gut the Ducks excuse me to just a seven and six record in 2016. I'm sorry, 2017, and four and five against the Pac-12. So again, he had issues on a big scale even going back like i said to the days in oregon he would also end up losing that las vegas ball that year to boise state and then uh that's eventually after that he talked about florida state i don't know why i don't know how or what they were looking at per se but he really didn't do that well in oregon so I, this this struggle here in Florida State does not surprise me. Again, he went four and five versus a Pac-12. He's gone six and nine over the ACC. You know, maybe he's not maybe he's not uh, ready for the big time. <laughs> uh, but in uh, currently, the Florida State Seminoles are 78th in scoring, uh, just getting about 27 points a game. They're also 79th in scoring defense, so they have, and they allow 29 points a game. So they don't score a lot, and they get scored on. And, you know, they don't win games. Uh, the program actually raised $20 million in private donations just to buy out the rest of Taggart's contract. So that ought to tell you how they felt about him. They wanted him out of there. They want to win, I guess. And it looks as though uh, one of the 
one of the coaches that they are looking at right now is a pretty much you could say he's a, a uh, you know a legend he's a really good coach and bob stoops he used to coach at oklahoma uh led them play national title uh led them to some big 12 championships so it's looking like he's a definite favorite if i'm not mistaken uh they are close to working a deal out with him so uh, i will let you guys know what happens there as well but let's move on to the top 25 of course we have a new one every week uh we're gonna start off with number 25 uh we have navy here who is seven and one they have won five in a row their last one was 56 to 10 at connecticut and they do have an upset opportunity this week against a team who i believe they can give up another upset and that is number 15 notre dame I don't trust them. Uh, Navy runs the ball pretty well. They are annually a top 10 rushing team. I think that's where Notre Dame kind of struggles. Uh, they get beat up a lot by big off big and physical offensive lines or just offensive lines that know how to run. I got Navy in an upset against Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame sucks. I'm just gonna keep saying it. At number 24, we have San Diego State here at 71. At number 23, we have SMU, aka Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, eight and one. Uh, we have 20 at 22, we have Wake Forest at seven and one. At 21, we have Boise State uh, at seven and one. They just brought their starting brought back their starting quarterback Hank Berkmeyer, so they looked pretty good. Well, they looked all right last week offensively. They gave up a lot of they gave up a lot of points though. At number 20, we have Kansas at seven and one at number 19 we have memphis at eight and one at number 18 we have iowa at six and two at 17 we have cincinnati at seven and one at 16 we have wisconsin at six and two and at 15 we just mentioned them uh, we have notre dame six and two overrated at 14 we have michigan also a little bit overrated at seven and two we will see when they play ohio state and they get blown out i think they lose to michigan i think they could possibly lose to michigan state as well we shall see at number 13 we have Minnesota, who is still undefeated. They are 8-0. They are currently first in their division, the Big uh, the Big Ten West. They are 5-0 in conference play. And they are also close to signing a, an extension with their head coach, P.J. Fleck. Uh, he's been one of their best coaches so far. Uh, he's turned them around a lot uh, under, over the past. I believe he's been there for two, maybe three years. Uh, they are currently 14th in scoring offense in the nation. And they are 13th in overall defense. A ninth against the run with just 166 yards allowed per game so they're good up front uh, and they do play some pretty good offense as well of course they can score the ball so i think this team um they do play a very interesting game this week they play um they play against penn state so that will be a good shot to see really just how good this team is i don't think they've played uh played the great teams yet on their schedule uh, over the course of the the bottom half of the schedule is where things pick up for Minnesota. We'll get a good chance to see just how really good they are. At number 12, we have Auburn here at 7-2. At number 11, we have another undefeated team here with Baylor, who is 8-0. They are first in the Big 12. They are also 15th in overall offense and 26th in passing with just 281 yards per game. And they are also 35th in passing defense, just allowing 199 yards a game. Uh, they have a big game this week as well. They will be facing off against Oklahoma. They are currently, like I said, they are first in the Big 12, and this will pretty much determine probably who even wins the Big 12, because I don't, if they can get past Oklahoma, I don't see who else could beat Baylor. Just to be honest with you, they could very well end this season 
undefeated. They don't, um, again, they um, they haven't looked bad at, at any point this year, um, in my opinion. They played many, they, I mean, they played middle of the road teams. I believe they played Texas already. If they haven't played Texas, they still got to worry about them maybe. Uh, but they've looked pretty good. They played, they've beaten the middle of the road teams. They've beaten the bad teams. They've also beaten, uh, well, they have, well, they'll have a chance to beat a good team this weekend. Uh, but let's move on to number 10. We have Florida at 7-2. and two. At number 9, we have Oklahoma at 7-1. and one. At number 8, uh, we have a Pac-12 team here in Utah who is 8-1. We also have Oregon here, another Pac-12 team here at 8-1. They are looking for a collision course uh, pretty much beside the Pac-12 title. This week, Oregon will be uh, facing off against Arizona. I like our chances in that game, although I haven't seen a whole lot of Arizona. So, um, it's this uh, this season is slowly moving down the pike so it's going to be interesting and number six we have georgia who is seven and one and number five we have penn state who is eight and oh like i said they will be facing off against another eight and oh team this weekend in minnesota this will determine a lot of of who's gonna well it's this is pretty much uh part of who's i mean this game here between penn state and minnesota in my opinion is going to be a preview of who's possibly going to be in the in the 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 conference championship so again another good matchup here this weekend is going to be exciting at number four we have clemson here at nine and oh uh, they do have running back travis atn who becomes this who became the school's all-time leader in rushing touchdowns with 48 they are the third overall offense in the nation and they are six in rushing with 272 yards per game and they are also fourth in defense and second in pass defense which is 134 yards allowed per game so this team is balanced this team can score this team can keep you from scoring on them. However, uh, they, this is why, and this is why they're number four right now. They have not really played a great schedule yet. Uh, everybody within that conference, in my opinion, in the ACC, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with the exception of maybe one or two teams, has a losing record. Um, and they look good against very inferior opponents. So not too much to say from Clemson. Uh, we'll have to see uh, what they do once they get to the playoffs. That's kind of how I feel about them. At number three, we have Ohio State, who is 8-0. We have number two, Alabama, who is 8-0. And number one, LSU, of course, who is 8-0. And number one and number two will be facing off this weekend. So uh, again, we expect to see at the, expect to see around Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, uh, when I come back to you guys with the rankings for next week expect for there to be some type of movement within the top four i don't know who goes where uh, but we have to account we have to account for the losses uh so we're gonna we're gonna see some changes and no the playoff rankings have not been officially released yet uh but just to just to throw it out there you pretty much already have a good idea who's gonna be in it it's gonna be the top four so the current top four is lsu alabama ohio state and clemson so if the season were to end today, uh, LSU will be uh, playing Clemson in that first round. Alabama will, will be playing Ohio State. Uh, but, of course, we have at least two, maybe three more weeks left in the season. So we have some time uh, to solidify this top four. So uh, that's what we have. Uh, we're going to move on and wrap everything up with some NBA action. No new, new no news to really talk about. Uh, but we're going to talk about all the scores. Uh, first up, we have in the Eastern Conference, the Wizards getting it done against the Pistons, 115 to uh, to 99 uh, for the Wizards.
Chargers, they are now two and four this year. The uh, Pistons moved down to three and five. Uh, for the Pistons, they were led by shooting guard Luke Kennard. He would go. To, he would have 24 points, five assists, and also four rebounds. Center Andre D uh, Drummond would have 15 points in the same amount of rebounds with 24 and also four assists. And Ford Quish, uh, Christian Wood would have 15 points and four rebounds off the bench. For the Wizards, their leading scorer was Bradley Beal. He would have 22 points, six assists, and also five rebounds. Uh, Ford Troy Brown would have 14 points, 10 assists. I'm sorry, 10 rebounds and four assists. And center Thomas Bryant would have 14 points and seven rebounds. Up next, we got the Nets getting it done against the Pelicans, 135 to 125. The Nets are now three and four. The Pelicans. One and six for the Pelicans. They had a career high game for Brandon Ingram. Uh, he had 40 points. He'd also have five assists and five rebounds to add to that. Drew Holiday would have 15 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. And Lonzo Ball would also have 15 points, three assists, and two rebounds. For the Nets, of course, Kyrie Irving led the way. He was a leading scorer amongst all teams uh, for both teams. 39 points from him. He also would have. Oh, I'm sorry. One point. Uh, actually, Brandon Ingram was that. I'm sorry. Uh, but Kyrie would have 39 points and be the, the highest scorer for the Nets with 39 points, 9 assists, and also 4 rebounds. Guard Clarence with Bird, Clarence with Karis LeVert, excuse me, would have 23 points, 7 rebounds, and also 5 assists. Ford Joe Harris would have 19 points, 4 assists, and 3 rebounds. And center Jared Allen would have 18 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, moving on, we also got the Rockets getting it done against the Grizzlies 107 to 100. The Rockets are now 4 and 3. The Grizzlies are 1 and 5. Uh, for the Rockets, they were led by James Harden, who would have 44 points, 10 rebounds, and also 6 assists. Eric Gordon would go on to have 16 points and five five rebounds, and Ford Daniel House would have uh, 15 points and nine rebounds for the Grizzlies. They got 23 points from John Morant, their rookie point guard. He'd also have six assists and also five rebounds. And their other guard Dylan Brooks would have. 17 points and nine rebounds. We also got the uh, the Bucks getting it done against the Timberwolves, 134 to 106. The Suns get a win against the Sixers here, 114 to 109. And finally, and to wrap up everything in the Western Conference, we got the Warriors getting a win against my Blazers, 127 to 118. How? I'm very mad. I'm very disappointed. Honestly, I don't want to talk about it. Blazers are not looking that great either this year, just like the Warriors. Uh, but I'm going to call it a wrap for today. My next episode I will be uh, putting out tomorrow. Uh, we'll be just going over some three uh, three key takeaways uh, from last week in the NFL. Uh, we'll also be previewing some Thursday night football. Of course, we got some NBA action to go go over as well. And on top of that, uh, some post us. Uh, some end of the season awards for uh, baseball have gone out as well. Uh, we have some Cy Young candidates to talk about. Uh, we also gonna be talking about uh, the Golden Glove winners as well for that. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, if you guys are looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com. That is eljbutler75 at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page and an Instagram as well. You can uh, follow me there at Johnny. That is E-L-J-A-M-A. H A D J A and I. Once again, that is L Jama Ajani E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Also, the uh, Facebook page for the show at Never Out of Bounds. I do have links and I do have content there. Uh, you can look me up there as well. All right, y'all. I'm calling it a wrap for today. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Uh, peace out. One love, and I will holler at you guys later.